John, which part that you fell asleep to is your favorite? Oh my god, what have I done? Eggs Benedict Cumberbatch. Who the fuck is singing? Yeah, again, I don't know why I'm defending any of this. Okay, so I was right. Suck it, Zach. Love I it. will I fucking end you. <laughs> oh no, and this is the crazy thing about balls. Like, the more... The more <laughs> breaks the Hello. And what, that was my best Zach impersonation as well. Um, and welcome to Middle of the Row, the podcast. On today's episode, we are flashing back to some year. Does anyone know what year this was? I clearly have not done my research. I am a terrible host. 1998. You know, there were two options for these flashback episodes. You probably could have guessed. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's true. Um, speaking of Zach, Zach is sick, so we wish him the best. Uh, we are flashing back to 1998 for the film Pleasantville. Does anyone remember who directed this film as well? I know he wrote uh, it as Gary well, Ross. Gary Ross, that's right. What else has he done? Uh, writer, director. He has six credits. Ocean's 8, Free State of Jones, Hunger Games cast interviews. So that doesn't count. Uh, the Hunger Games. <laughs> well, no, no. It's, it's, okay, there we go. Yeah. Ocean's 8 was really good. Oh, yeah. Didn't, didn't, uh, I'm dropping his name. Toby Maguire, wasn't he in Seabiscuit as well? So. Yeah, and I and I I'm pretty sure Seabiscuit got a bunch of awards or at least nominated, nominated for nominated for seven Oscars. Um, he was also a writer and producer. Probably his big, his biggest, thi- well, not his biggest thing, but his first biggest thing was big. So that was pretty cool too. Um, so this was one of my choices. Um, and the reason why I chose it, I thought it was just a very interesting and unique film. It, I loved the, the the parable aspect and uh, a structure of the film, and so I was constantly trying to. I remember when I first watched it, and on this most recent rewatch, trying to really decipher kind of the message and the illusions and the allegory that was present, as well as the imagery that was present throughout the film, because there was quite a few if i recall um and yeah i love the aspect of the overall message about uh what it means to attain happiness or joy in life and what it means to be closed off and ignorant and willingly uh, unknowing and willingly incurious about the world um and how that restricts your perception and your values and that kind of thing. Uh, see, um, you took a much I'm more optimistic right. approach to it. Mine was more like, people suck. <laughs> no, I mean, that's the big part of the movie as well. Um, I'm surprised that it was a box office bomb. Uh, it only got, f- according according to Wikipedia, see, I'm doing my <laughs> research. Um, it only got $49.8 million of a $60 million budget. Um but received positive reviews for its visuals, acting, and thematic elements, and has gained a cult following. I feel like this movie is, like, ripe for any high school English class, I feel like. Um, And I'm pretty sure any imagery or any notions of the 1950s uh, is based upon my viewing of this film and just, like, uh, 
the imagery and the costumes and the environment and the set design of the town of Pleasantville uh, in this film. So, so yeah, Lauren, you were saying something though as well. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to trying to speculate about why it wouldn't have done well. It's like, maybe people were just scared of black and white. I don't know. Like, I, I, may, yeah, I don't I'm, know if it just didn't have, like, I can't remember 98. I was 10. I don't remember what the marketing campaign was like for this movie. Yeah, so. I, I kind of forgot this movie existed as well, oh, really? to be honest. Yeah, like, I, because I had never seen oh. it. Like, I had never even heard of it. And then I had seen, like, bits and pieces through the internet and through different things. But then when when John brought this up, I was just like, oh, this looks interesting. I had never seen it. I thought I would, you know, it was, uh, I just, it was like, I, I feel like I would have at least seen a commercial. And I have no recollection of seeing any advertisements at all for this movie. Like, none. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. My old lady brain forgets a lot. Well, I don't think. I mean, it's weird because this film had so. Roger Ebert gave it four out of four stars, calling it one of the mo- best and most original films of the year. This isn't based on any kind of previous uh, concept or book or television story. Well, I guess I guess you could say it's influenced by kind of classic 1950s TV, like Leave it to Beaver, the Andy Griffith show, or that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, so it got some pretty good critical acclaim. And yeah, it's Metascore is 71 out of 100. So And it has a stacked cast. Granted, like, some of them may be pretty early on in their career. Like, for instance, Tobey Maguire, um, Reese Witherspoon, excuse me. But then it's also got Jeff Daniels, William H. Macy, uh, Joan Allen, uh, a li- the late J.T. Walsh, um, Paul Walker. Yeah, speaking of um, the late, when I saw him, I was like, oh, yeah. no. I forgot he was in this movie. It's such a bummer. Yeah, and the fact that he has, like, such this, like, gee willikers, like, accent that he puts on throughout it. Like, I'm, I was just, I was thrown off the entire time because I was just like, was Paul Walker actually in high school when he, like, rec- filmed this? Because he sounds like it. He was... So, I remember, yeah. Like I remember seeing seeing him, just thinking he was so young. He looked so young. How old, how old was he actually in high school? I seriously doubt it. He's older than us. He was born no, in seventy three. Yeah, so twenty five. Wow, because he looked like he was sixteen, seventeen. Jesus. So yeah, um, that was my thoughts. But I'm interested to hear more of the thoughts of my cohorts slash colleagues lauren um i have seen this movie before it's definitely been a while though but i still really enjoyed it it felt very pertinent to the current situation like there's a line in this movie that was basically uh make america great again and it was really off-putting and so i enjoyed it to an extent like i still i mean i still enjoyed the movie it's a really it's funnier than I remember. Like, I think Reese Witherspoon's character, I don't know, half her lines were just really funny to me. But, um, like, <laughs> there are definitely problems with it that I probably didn't notice the first time around. Like, this whole movie about segregation and there's not a person of color in this movie. It's like, I don't know if that's just because there weren't a lot on TV in the 50s. I don't watch a lot of 50s television, so. But it felt really, like, icky that there weren't actually. It was just a white cast. <laughs> but yeah, so I enjoyed it. 
but yeah, that's pretty much it. That's actually yeah, that's a that's a great moment of awareness I think, Lauren, that you picked up because, and especially even in the uh, in the quote unquote real world too. I'm not sure. Yeah, I meant if... to go back and check in the school like lunch time period or whatever that was, but I forgot to check. Or even also in when uh, Reese Weatherspoon's character goes off to college, and now we find out, oh yeah, there's there's more beyond Pleasantville now. Um, I I can't remember if there was any people of color on the college campus too, but maybe I, maybe that's also part of the critique, sort of at least prior to Enlightenment, the fact that there is no people of color on it, but. No, yeah, I. those are some great thoughts. Ben, I am interested also as someone who has never yeah, seen definitely. this before, what your thoughts were. So I I enjoyed it um, quite a bit. For the most part, I was... I was I liked um, the, the changes that Tobey Maguire and Reese Witherspoon went through uh, through the movie. Uh I thought Jeff Daniels was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't even know he was in the movie, so when I saw him, I was like, "Oh, cool!" Yeah, him and, and Joan Allen, I think, really make this movie for me. Yeah, they their their little sub their little subplot is fantastic. What I I think my only my only really kind of complaints I would have are, I think once Reese Wither that Reese Witherspoon's character kind of becomes like you know a. I'm not saying like she was a bad person, but she like learns from her mistakes and is changing her ways. And then the movie just kind of pushes her off to the side, and it's like, let's look at Tobey Maguire. And it's like, wait, this is we we don't get to see we didn't get to see enough of um, the changed. Well, it uh, is the fifties, so Reese. <laughs> fair enough. Um, Reese was busy in the kitchen; oh they didn't want to film all that. <laughs> Dark. Um, <laughs> And then I thought, uh, I thought the resolution felt a little, a little too easy. Yeah. Like that court, that courtroom scene was just kind of like, oh wow, okay, that that's just getting mad, and then he he changes. It's like okay, I guess. Uh, but the majority of the movie I really liked. Uh, I loved the TV repairman. I thought he was great. Just his little. You know, you're not supposed to be changing things in here. So, um, like, I want to know more about this TV repairman. How long has he been trying to find the person to send to this show? Why is he doing it? And is he secretly a murderer? Like, I'm not convinced that every time he doesn't... Like, <laughs> they just let a stranger into his house. And every time like, he finds he's someone that, that big... probably doesn't live up to his standards, I'm pretty sure he probably kills them. And they're just in the back of that truck. Well, he wouldn't have to kill him. He would just put him in a slasher flick. That's true. Done with it. Um, I, I thought, uh, I loved the, the visuals of, you know, you had the black and white and then slowly adding color to different things. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I was waiting for that to happen, but it never did for me and my colorblind eyes. No, I'm just kidding. They're not that bad, but. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. Oh, speaking of Um, this, it's a random tangent, but one of my friends, she said that I think it was her uncle, maybe. But when they were younger, you know um, how Wizard of Oz does something similar where it's black and white and then all of a sudden it's color when they go to the land of Oz. Um, like yeah. his, He didn't 
or whoever the relative was, they didn't realize that their parents had just bought, or wherever they were, they had a color TV, but they didn't know it was a color TV. So when that actually happened, it was a legit, like, draw-dropping moment. Dropping moment. Oh, that's yeah. cool. It's like, ah, oh, to be in that... It just, it I always still... makes me think of that when I see this movie and just what it's like to see color for the first time. <laughs> one of my, one of my, like, first forays into, like, thinking oh wow special effects are so cool was was wizard of oz um not the black to white to color but the horse the horse that's just like constantly changing colors (laughs) as it's going through like you know six-year-old me was just like whoa this is so cool um i don't know why i loved it uh and since then i've been you know always kind of looking at special effects and and just it's such a cool thing and I, i really when a movie can do something that's unique like this, I loved, um, I loved it for it. I, I really appreciated the black and white to colors. Did it feel unique real quick? Sorry guys. Did that feel unique in the sense because there have been other films that have utilized this, like we've mentioned, like the wizard of Oz or even Schindler's net list. So it did the way that this film translated from or trans or included color imagery amongst black and white did it make it did it make it stand out more than it was just like oh this is such a great like kind of throwback to the wizard of oz i thought so yeah um especially when you would have you know a person one person of i don't want to say person of color because that's not what it means but i I guess that's one person in color yeah one person in color talking to a person pic not poc (laughs) yeah and a one one person who, who was black and white, and I love that dynamic, just the talking between the two of them, because it, it just was so jarring, in a sense. And I, I loved... Uh, I'm forgetting her name. Um, the mother character. Joan Allen. Uh, Joan Allen. I loved how she... When she first realized, she started putting on, like, you know, gray makeup. Yeah, that was a great to, to imagery and just scene in general. And it was like it was like that reverse when she was putting it on. I thought that was a really cool thing too. I was actually kind of surprised that they hired Joan Allen just for considering the time period because she's so much taller than William H Macy. You would think they would have picked someone like done it quote unquote correct where the guy is taller than the woman. But I'm so glad that they did hire Joan Allen because she's just so great in this movie. Yeah, yeah, she's incredible. And I do, I think Ben, I do also hear on your criticism in terms of, um after Reese Witherspoon's character has her transformation, she kind of steps to the side because then the movie lets Tobey Maguire, like, take the reins and try to, like, convert the town and kind of cause the revolution, if you will. Um, and it's not... It, it wasn't, like, a deal-breaker for me either. Like, I still really enjoyed this movie. I just thought that was one thing that kind of... I wish she had been changing the town more with uh, Tobey Maguire. Yeah, she started it, then... Yeah the reins got stolen from her <laughs> yeah and it's like she she started it you know by you know sleeping with somebody and then when she becomes a character who's like actually like i want to learn more about it, i want to see her do more that's when it's like they shove her out it's like i would have loved to have been know. a fly in the wall in the conversation of paul walker telling all the basketball players what <laughs> happened it's like, oh, i would love to just, hear they, him trying to describe miss- it <laughs> That was yeah. I I loved when Maguire sees them all just miss their yeah. shots. And he's like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> um. So for you guys, what did what did you see as the like the main message or whatever uh, of the movie, and how did you feel 
the visuals and the employment of like Ben was saying the color and the grayscale worked for that did you feel like it hit do you feel like it was a little corny did you feel like maybe it missed a couple beats like how'd that work for you guys well i mean as far as the color stuff's could like i feel like it was very on the nose with the whole just allusions to racism and classism and whatnot and that kind of overcompensated or not overcompensated but it kind of just drew attention away from the stuff i was more interested in which was like characters understanding who they are and what's important to them and just being true to themselves like which is why i know we talked about with just jeff daniels and his story i found it a little bit more interesting than some of the other stuff that was just like right in your face (laughs) i also lauren that's actually that's interesting you bring that up because i love with jeff daniels all of his with his uh plot line being so connected to him developing as an artist. I think that's like really cool uh, with your connection to uh, the medium and the Thanks. genre as well. Um, so I thought that's interesting. Although I was super upset with um, him. You're yeah. not supposed to leave brushes just sitting in water like that. <laughs> <laughs> what What else? Can you Can you speak more on that? On brush etiquette? Not the brush. <laughs> no, no, on, on your pre- no, sorry, on your previous point. Continue, continue oh, critiquing really his artistic talents. Anything else to extrapolate out from that? It's just a general statement. Ben, how about yourself? Um, I thought the message was like, you know, it's it's this this. Don't get too set in in your ways, and change change is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um. I think it all it does definitely speak to like racism and classism, all that. Uh, I think, like Lawrence said, that the 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 color aspect was definitely on the nose, but it was also like a very just interesting way of doing it. So I was kind of you know I was okay with it. Um, uh, I also think it was it was the the change is good aspect is also I think really applied well with with uh jeff daniel's character because when we first meet him he's this character who can't do anything he is helpless without toby Maguire. but then once his situation changes like oh you weren't there to do this so i had to you know i i put the di- i cleaned the dishes i closed the blinds i cleaned the counter and it's like so he's becoming you know he's becoming his own man finding his own way to do things and it's just that that never would have happened if he was complacent with if he had just stayed in that. Yeah, complacent. That that's a good word for this. Yeah, so it's 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 that it's not only just as like a society, but as a personal level too. Like that's where you see it most affecting a person, as opposed to the ending of the movie. Everyone is is happier because, or for the most part, everyone's happier because of these changes. But Jeff Goldblum. Not, not Jeff Goldblum, Jeff Daniels <laughs> is a fundamentally different person almost immediately because he's just because of these minor changes to his his life and um, I thought it was, I just, I really liked the messages I, and I thought it yeah, it was a little corny at the end but it was also you know, it was sweet and it was it was heartfelt and it, it I think it it worked with especially, I think if it was if they were trying to do it with like a 1980s TV show, it would not have worked. But the 1950s TV was corny; it was kind of cheesy. So I thought that worked very and well. And it had people at the time. Yeah, <laughs> Whitey. 
Those are Whitey's cookies. Did you guys, well, before that brings up something that I want to, I want yeah. to ask Lauren. But before we get to that, uh, yeah, Ben, I loved your comment on Jeff Daniels' character because I think his enthusiasm is such a contrast to um, a lot of the main oppressors or antagonists in the film or in Pleasantville because he says a couple things about how when Bud brings him or Bud uh Toby Maguire's character David slash Bud uh brings him that uh art book he's looking at it and he's just like he closes the book after he he looks through all the paintings with Bud and he's like I could never see colors like that I could never paint colors like that and it's it's this uh mournfulness over wanting to seeing the beauty in that knowledge and in having that different perspective and wanting that yeah that line definitely stuck with me because he's talking about like or the quote i actually wrote it down it says where am i going to see colors like that must or must be awful lucky to see colors like that i bet you don't know how lucky they are or i bet they don't know how lucky they are it's like dude you're seeing the colors it's like you don't know how yeah lucky but you i think are. within the context of like seeing it constantly right as opposed to yeah I think, and I think he's, I think he's saying like whatever inspired these these colors, like whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I would also say that he's probably like, what I thought was interesting too is like out of all the kind of close to middle aged males that we saw, the only one who was actually happy was Jeff Daniels. The rest, yeah. Were just all compare just kind his of... character to William H Macy's character. <laughs> and William H Macy's character is basically every other character in the movie every other male character in the movie, you know, above 20. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say something. Now it just completely left my mind. Same. Oh. Uh, That's not your fault. (laughs) What can I think? Oh, I know what I was talking about. It's just, I would, it was another fly on the wall thing where it's like, okay, so we see him looking through an art history book implying that they have the same history as us. So eventually they're going to start learning about things like war and whatnot. So it's going to be basically what's her face from the fifth, fifth element downloading all that stuff into her mind and just being oh, like, everyone's going to be so depressed. Well, isn't it the, the stuff only showed up in the books once they talked mm-hmm. about it, right? So, yeah. so maybe well, I mean, once never mentions war. I don't know, but remember about how after they had the trial, like the TV was showing things like... Um, the Sphinx and whatnot. So I'm assuming that everything kind of filled in at that point. Okay. I don't know. That was my assumption, but I could be wrong. So, okay. So the guy, the, the TV repairman, I'm looking this up. It was Don Knotts. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. That's interesting. It makes sense. Cause he was, he was like a 1950s, 1960s, right? That yeah, was Andy his, Griffith his heyday. Show. That was the sixties though. That was the one oh, that okay, showed but, up I mean, first. <laughs> but like roughly around so that time. With his character, yeah. did you guys think he was That's actually um mad that David was changing everything? I don't know, because he had this weird smile at the end when he drove away. He kind of didn't seem as angry as he probably should have been, considering how he felt through the rest of the movie or presented himself yeah. to have been feeling. I think he was just constantly testing them. Like, if he had said, you're not supposed to do this, you know, and he had said, okay, I'm sorry, we won't change anything, he would have been so like, oh, So, instead of being a big Pleasantville fan, he was actually a big David fan, and this whole movie was about David learning about himself. 
Well, I think, yeah, I think that's part of it. He like, was his guardian he, angel. He's, yeah, he was, yeah, I think he was, like, he's probably going around to other houses with other TVs and other people, and he's, that, that's my, that was my thought, where he's basically, you know, teaching people, like, how to be better people, like, giving them what they needed to be, to, to write themselves, mm-hmm. you know? So he was kind of just like this this mystery good Samaritan with strange TV powers. <laughs> yeah, speaking of the ending and how you felt about um, Reese Witherspoon's character, how did you feel about her staying in Pleasantville or um, that world in the TV? <laughs> that that felt a little really a little weird. too much. <laughs> yeah, it felt a little much. It's like I know. I know she 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 liked it there, but I, it's like she's also giving up like phones, giving yeah. up all of her friends. Like it was kind I think. of it was kind of upsetting in a way that sometimes they presented her character like like um, David's character. It was just him learning about himself. In her character, it was somewhat her learning about what's important to her as well but it was also just like changing who she was like at one point she called herself a slut and all this stuff it's like oh you do you girl <laughs> so and i think she was the th- the difference though is i think she well the problem with me with it though i think is she was happy mm-hmm. outs- outside of of pleasantville yeah. and i think going back she would still be happy it was weird that she chose yeah to stay. i feel like like i just it, it didn't we could have understood her character more, like you said, had she been given more time at the second, like the latter I, portion of the I, movie. Yeah, and I think a lot of those scenes with Tobey Maguire where he's figuring things out, why couldn't she have been right there with yeah. him, you know? I, but I, th- I feel like the tension of, or there's a bit of uncomfortableness with the idea that um, in order for her to grow or become the person she wants to be, she does have to leave uh, the real world behind and leave the people that she lives behind. And it's not like she says she's going to be there forever. She's like, I got to do this thing for a while. What's he going to tell um, his mom? And well, that's, that's fair. She's going to college abroad, I guess you could say, you know, and then. Yeah. Well, and it, I guess there's this idea of like with that kind of change, like that change isn't necessarily picture perfect as well and comes with like all kinds of like goodies and benefits or whatever. No, it takes some hardship. It takes some sacrifice too, um, to maybe leave behind some things you never thought you would and embrace some things that you never thought you would. And so I kind of like that tension provided by that moment. Um, even, even though, um, <laughs> even though it was, it like expands the mythos of Pleasantville in a way that it's just like, Oh, all of a sudden, like now this place is like in the real world kind of maybe and is its own alternate dimension. Like I don't know. But that was kind of strange, guys, but what is he gonna tell his mom about his missing sister? <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um it's like a lost question, though. It's like, th- does does this question yes. really matter? Because <laughs> well, I mean, logistics could, more important. You, I mean, he than could probably the message. He could probably take her to Pleasantville with him next time he visits her. Yeah. I guess. Because I mean, it's it's implied that they can go in and out when they please at this point, right? Because they have the remote. And... Yeah. It's just so weird because in the end, I guess the old man did kill someone because he killed the real 
characters they replaced. It's like, what? would he just return? If David leaves, why doesn't the old bud return? Yeah, that's, that is interesting, actually. Those are just questions you're not supposed to think about. But yeah, it's the questions we're, I... We're putting, we're putting two... Yeah, like, half yeah. this movie is just me, like, how did they know green is green? <laughs> you don't. You just assume they know. Don't ask the questions. Although I will ask the most important question. Like, did, when things start changing, did they eventually have to poop? <laughs> like, do they have to install toilets Oh, because there were no world? bathrooms or whatever. And when they went, when, when or, David or, and Jennifer went to that world, just because toilets don't exist, like, do they no longer have to go to the bathroom? Or are they just, like, out back in the bushes somewhere hiding their, their bathroom time? Like, <laughs> <laughs> these are need-to-know well, questions. Such a, that's such an interesting... No, that's such an interesting detail you bring up in the, like, what that represents because you've got the these two conflicting or juxtaposed images of one, they don't have to use the bathroom to, like, uh, physically uh, empty their body <laughs> of waste um, is what I'll say. But at the same time, when they eat, like, I remember when uh, when Joan Allen was uh, serving... Toby McGuire and Reese Witherspoon breakfast. She was like, "Oh yeah, piling there were like a good thirty waffles on that plate. table." <laughs> yeah, and so it's this, it's this idea of like, oh, like I don't actually, I don't know what the idea is. Maybe like overconsumption without consequence, or like having it all without consequence, and maybe that was just a hint to the or a point to the um, lack of realism mm-hmm. of the whole entire thing. Well, I mean, it's it's a it's a fantasy world. It's a fantasy world, you know. Like even yeah, in the exactly. con- even yeah. in the confines of that that world's reality, that is a, it's a fantasy. Oh, before I forget, one of my favorite moments in the movie, and I know it's not super poignant or anything, but Toby Maguire running to the fire station and just like couldn't get their attention. He goes, "Cat," mm-hmm. and then they all just go, "I I I don't know why, but I love that." I laughed pretty. It was hard funny, at that. but at that the same great. time. As a woman, it was kind of depressing because when you're you're not supposed to yell rape, you're supposed to yell fire, and it made me think of that. <laughs> like, oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> and that was during that was during Joan Allen's yeah, first orgasm. Yeah, I want to know right? was that pervy? I really hope that pervy <laughs> bird was in that tree, <laughs> just watching her do her thing. Um, but at the same time, that was another thing. It's like just because they don't know what fire is seeing a flame wouldn't they notice it as they drove past like that is something we've never seen before and when you uh the other thing i gotta say that yeah because you mentioned being a fly on a wall for other conversations i'm really glad that none of us had to be that when reese witherspoon gave the talk (laughs) to her quote-unquote mom it was just so funny though it always goes the other way cutting away (laughs) yeah it's just like thank god for cutting away like jesus well, and I think also there, like that moment at the end where Reese Witherspoon was like, "You okay, mom?" and Joan Allen was like, "Yeah, I think so." It's just that I don't think uh, whatever her husband's name was, William H. Macy's uh, character. She was like, "I don't, George. I don't think he would ever do anything like that." And it, there was this again. There was this moment of mournfulness of just like recognizing the beauty in that. But recognizing or feeling as if it was so far away from you too, like it was just it was kind of sad because it's just like 
she's essentially saying, yeah, I don't think my husband would show any type of physical like expression of affection mm-hmm. to me because of whatever. So that was so that was a sad moment too. Um but yeah, it led to probably the most <laughs> hilarious moment when she came and then the tree a tree cat on fire. <laughs> yeah. Uh speaking of imagery, um so there was that um that I almost also kind of like as soon as I saw it I almost kind of likened it to like, like, I feel like there was a lot of, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong or like maybe, uh, speak up if you got something else from it, but like, so with the tree on fire, I kind of got a sense of like this burning bush kind of vab. Um, and, and then with the whole apple scene too. So like there's, yeah, that apple was very on the nose. Just a lot of stuff was on the nose. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So the religious the religious imagery i think was very poignant um but i also don't know if it was like anti-religious commentary then specifically like i'm not sure if it was making the point that like religion can also be well i mean and i guess in that sense like it's very true but like the point that religion can also be very repressing and a system that um prevents free thought and kind of puts you within just this like structure of behavior and that kind of thing and I will say that's a that's a potential theme that mm-hmm. I kind of struggle with because that has not been my experience. But I thought again, it was it was one of those images though, like when it was it Margaret or Mary Sue who was who was who was Bud's um, girlfriend Margaret. in the end when she also anyone yes. recognize her? I don't know. I from, just recognized her. Wait, which was Margaret? Was that the one from Psych? She was in Planet Terror, Never Been Kissed, Bubble Boy, and other things. I don't know what I recognized her from. She was uh she she was the lifeguard from the Sandlot. <gasps> oh, yeah. No way. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I definitely recognized and so, her from and I was just like, we're... things. So But she was. Which was great, I thought, because she never like she's got such this like pivotal and like iconic role in the sandlot that has like zero lines or whatever but she actually got a little bit of time to like (laughs) act actually in this movie i suppose um but yeah everything about that imagery with her taking the apple and giving it to bud and them being in this like garden like paradise what was it called lover's lane Uh, or whatever i don't Um, remember what it was called like lookout point no i don't remember Oh, she was she was in Scream Four as well. She was like the she was the deputy. Um, yeah, she's been in a lot of things. So the courtroom scene. What do we think? Well, that was that was the one that made me think a lot about our current situation because it was at one point he's like, "It's a question of values." It's a, a big Bob or whatever his name was. It's a question of values. It's a question of whether we want to hold on to those values that made this place great. It's like, oh no, he just magged us. Well, and I think that also is like the clearest indicator of like the overall theme or uh, message of this movie is this idea of regardless of what type of Islam you're trying to uh, dissect or critique, whether it's racism mm-hmm. or you put up classism or misogyn- misogyny and any any type of. Uh, yeah discrimination discrimination really the argument that gets thrown around is this idea of do we value 
change or do we value tradition because it's comfortable and it gives it gives us a sense of purpose or even power like i thought that entire scene when you or the scenes especially in like the uh the barbershop where you see all the guys kind of like we not wheeling and dealing necessary, but kind of running the town behind the scenes. It's just like, Oh, this is such a great example mm-hmm. of like sort of the patriarchy or whatever. And sort of something confronting oh, oh. the system. It was really uncomfortable scene when they were sitting outside of the barbershop or where they ever were when they were talking about the girl's sweater. Cause you, that girl's a high schooler. It's like, Oh, this is super yeah. gross. Yeah. It was a little, well, and very, very kind of like a good indicator of like the hypocrisy inherent within some of these systems too because while they'll criticize Mm -hmm. some things at the same time uh, part of them maybe likes to uh, divulge or not divulge what's the um, what's the word I'm looking for shoot I have no idea (laughs) yeah but I I mean I did appreciate like going off that just that some of these things are um already in us like how it wasn't the fact that um these two outsiders came in and changed things that like the stuff was already inside them like jeff daniels character you could tell there was a history of him liking the mom it wasn't just that a new bud was there and changed things it was just but they were like like repressing that stuff yeah i I love that line that by Tommy McGuire and where it's just like, but that's the thing. You can't change it because it's inside of you. If it's inside of you, then you can't change it. I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> way to go, Spider-Man. Yeah, he can't. It's a, you can't <laughs> stop something that's inside you. And my mind was just like, like, gas. <laughs> well, what is it? And the, uh, where is the, sorry, director, Director as per Wikipedia, director Gary Ross said this movie is about the fact that personal repression gives rise to larger political oppression. That when we're afraid of certain things in ourselves or we're afraid of change, we project those fears onto other things, and a lot of very ugly social situations can develop. So whether it's like something like yeah, that we've experienced that. <laughs> in the past in our in our country, such as like racism and segregation or with the women's rights movement. Um, and we're fighting a lot of those battles. So like it's, it's very telling that when those, uh, when we've got those big moral victories where we think everything's ex- accepted, just like those things have been inside of us uh, forever, those seeds of oppression or those remnants of those systems can also still remain inside of us and we're still we can still fight those battles to this day or whatever um as per like lauren was saying our current societal climate um yeah so i don't know i i i think watching this as an adult especially within this time like you were saying i think was so meaningful in terms of picking up on the messages that were being uh, thrown out by by the film would you guys would you guys think of the build-up though to the reveal of oh sorry of the colors because up until that point we had only saw people like get the colors like suddenly or whatever um or like we looked away and then we looked and it was there um 
and they did that again with William H Macy's character with Toby McGuire's character too. Yeah, with him realizing how much he loved his wife and he started to cry and that kind of thing and then other people oh that was another powerful image i thought with other people once they saw william h macy mm-hmm. turn into color they start to turn into color as well i thought that was a great comment on the importance of empathy and what that can mean when we yeah. like naturally try to broaden our horizons well plus i think just him revealing something about himself made them come to terms with maybe something inside them as well that they were hiding so yeah i have a quick question about the very ending with william h macy like so did he turn into jeff gold or i was gonna say jeff goldblum again jeff daniels or was she just imagining william h macy i just thought randomly they were all sitting on the bench together well it's like it was weird yeah i don't i don't know exactly what that meant um, I I will I'll be honest. Yeah, that was the most confusing part of the movie to me. <laughs> yeah, and I have no idea. Okay, yeah, so I'm I not I'm not alone on that. Okay, good. No, you're not. <laughs> nope, you're fine. I actually. Um, why do you think Tobey Maguire's character changed? Because it was when he punched those guys. So was it just he? I don't understand. It's like he was violent, so he changed. I think it's because he was. It's finally, not like he would have never. He was like like, s- like he would have always protected his mom. Well, I think he was standing up for somebody. I think. He was just like he was doing what was right, and he wasn't—he didn't care about his own personal well-being at that time. Yeah. Like he could have gotten the shit kicked out of him too, but he didn't. He just, you know. I don't know. It was just another thing where he kept becoming important and like the savior of everything, and it was like, oh come on. <laughs> Which kind of goes against exactly what this movie was doing. Yeah. It's like. Oh, look, the guy can save us from all the other guys. Cool. See, this is why Reese Witherspoon needed to be there. Both, <laughs> both of them. Damn it. Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I saw it as... I saw it as him being empowered, finally, to stand up for something and state his feelings and opinions. For instance, like... There's that scene at the very beginning where you think he's asking out a girl and then it turns out, no, he's just talking. He's like practicing from afar or whatever. So I think it was a moment of knowledge of like recognition of like a situation in his life where he will not stand idly by and let happen, let injustice happen. And I think that was the kind of catalyst for him changing. Exactly. Um, Because otherwise it was just everything that happened before with him quote unquote changing people had been because they had asked him and they were curious and they wanted to know. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he was getting some kind of benefit or like kind of affirmation because of that. And so there wasn't anything really being sacrificed or whatever, but with this, he had, he had to do it at the danger of getting beat up by these other kids. And so um, I think that that's how that spoke to me in terms of, why that was important if that makes any sense um but i also want to ask about why did did what did you think about seeing someone turn to color for the first time with big bob um with jt walsh's character like how did that moment hit for you guys well it was another one of those things it's like so he recognized that inside him he's just an angry bitter man <laughs> is that why he changed See, I felt it was more just like, oh, he's showing strong emotion, therefore... 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it wasn't. Again, it's like it's these these this TV world's rules aren't explicitly explained. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. That was kind of like you were talking about earlier, Ben. It's like the courtroom scene just felt very sudden. Yeah, like and... it 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 came too easy, way too easy. Yeah. Like I would have loved if you know he had gone he had gone into like jail for like a couple of days, and over time people started realizing what they were doing was wrong, so they'd start changing, and then maybe one who did like William H Macy would be one of the first ones he'd talk to, uh, Bob, and then Bob would eventually you know. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't know if these individuals, like many individuals, recognize that what they do is wrong. This is true. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I. I don't know. I feel like. I feel like I don't agree as much. I don't know. It did happen quick and it did happen suddenly, but I think. I don't know. It never. It never felt flat for me. Uh. So before we wrap up, does anyone else have anything to say? Um, as someone who had never seen this movie before, I think it is definitely worth a watch. So if you haven't seen it, go see it. Although we probably uh, hashtag although where's we probably the poop? just spoiled the hell out of it for you. So in that case, sorry. <laughs> I think I will. I think yeah, that's you. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a flashback. Think, we do spoilers. It's all good. I think even for the sake of just like experiencing it, I think it's worth it too. So yep, I would say yeah, go watch it as well. Lauren, consensus? Yes. Watch the movie if you haven't. <laughs> Next week we will be reviewing The Predator. Well we'll be yeah, we're going we're going super recent. We haven't done one of those in a while. We are reviewing Is it The Predator or Predator? The Predator. Predator was the original, Predator Two, Predators was the third one, and this is the Predator. You know, just keeping it confusing. <laughs> so, uh, the new sci-fi action film starring Olivia Munn, uh, Sterling K. Brown, Boyd uh, Holbrook, um, Yvonne Starowski. I probably butchered that. Yvonne Strahovski. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That. Um, that little kid who's been in everything recently. Jordan oh, Michael Peele. It's like Jacob Tremblay. Yeah. Jacob. Yeah. Jacob. Yeah. I think it's Jacob. And then yeah, Jordan Michael Peele as well. Uh, Thomas Jane. Yeah, it's got a lot of people. Oh, the guy from uh from Moonlight's in this. I forget his name as well. Oh, the main guy who won the award for Moonlight? Uh no no no. Uh the uh I don't know if the best actor went to the guy. Admission, I still need to see Moonlight. Well, that's Same. good. You should see Moonlight. I know, I'll probably do a double feature with that in La La Land at some point. Um <laughs> Don't confuse so yeah. the two. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, go see The Predator and join us next week uh, when we talk about it. Until then, I am Zach Oldenburg. I mean, wait, what? <laughs> um, thank you thank you for your pity laughs. I am not Zach Oldenburg, but you can follow him everywhere. Oh, was that an actual mistake? I thought you were just joking. <laughs> No, it was no, it was it was not an actual mistake. I was just joking. Okay. I um, mean, I know how much you would like to be him, just emulate him. <laughs> dude, this is hard. Man. <laughs> oh, it was. Like when I was doing it, I was like 
this is pure garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, please come back. Hashtag Zach, come back. Um, he is Zach Oldenburg. You can find him anywhere at Zach Oldenburg, such as Twitter, uh, Letterbox. Does he have an Instagram? I don't know, actually. I, should, I don't know. I should add him on Instagram. Um, and also be <laughs> sure to check out our stuff at uh, our website, www.middleofroad.com. Uh, I'm Ben Grigsby. You can find me on, on Twitter and on Letterboxd at, at the Grigsby Bear. Uh, you can find all of us on Facebook at Middle of the Row. I'm Jonathan Rahul, who is not Zach Oldenburg. I'm doing this again. I know it's confusing. <laughs> um, you can follow me online at another Rahul J. Uh, and be sure to follow us on, on, on Twitter. Excuse me. On Twitter at another Rahul J. And also be sure to follow us on Twitter, where you'll get updates when we post podcast episodes and written content for our website. And that's at middle of row hashtag where's the poop and i'm zach oldenberg you can find me on twitter <laughs> at beware of trees and you can find us on tumblr at middle of go see predator and then come join us next week for when we talk about it but until then oh man i get to say this line ah oh, i'm so excited the best seats are in the middle of the row <laughs>